tragedy is a reality of life, guys, there's kind of a popular saying that says either you're in the middle of a hard time right now, or you're just coming out of a hard time, or you're about to go into a hard time. Okay? That sound about right? We don't have very many time periods in life where everything is just easy and there are no problems. And if you happen to have a life like that, I talked to somebody last week. He said he's never had a cold or the flu in his life. And I said they should clone him. Okay? Because uh, most of us aren't like that, right? Most of us go through hard times, and we have hard things happen to us. And this past week was difficult. We lost uh, a volunteer that actually came to work with this training center that I talked about last week. For those of you that don't know, we trusted God for a million dollars last year. Uh, a bunch of us here did. And God did a miracle and provided a million dollars to purchase this huge training center to train young people how to share Christ with a world that desperately needs Him, right? And this training center needs a lot of work right now. Russ is pouring his life into this training center so that for the next 50, 60, 70 years, people can be trained there. So we had some volunteers come down, and actually an electrical engineer and his son, somebody that Russ mentored back in college like 30 years ago, over 30 years ago, I think. The guy came out, and he thought he was going to have a vacation with his family, and it ended on a very, very, very sad note. And it kind of rocked all of us here, and it, and it took us by surprise. And so the idea here, guys, is life is very short. We don't know how long we have. And it's a hard thing to think about. Life is short. You aren't invincible. I remember, some of you guys know, I used to be like a sponsored snowboarder back in college. And I would come off these monster jumps, okay? And we would do what we called huck fests. You guys ever heard? You just spin as many times as you could until you crashed and just about died. I thought I was invincible, okay? And I look back and realize it's only God's mercy that I, that I didn't die or break anything, right? Because it was not very intelligent. Anyway, you are not invincible. And here's what happened, guys. Rand and Josh Golvis came out here to spend a week volunteering on the ranch. You can see their schedule right here. Linda got this off the lodge. This was hanging up at the end of the week. Last week was their last day here. They're supposed to fly home on Wednesday. So Rand, the father, and his 21-year-old son Josh decided to go for an overnight camping trip. It was right when we were having this meeting last week. You guys remember sitting in these chairs, having this conversation last week. As they were hiking, they got separated right as it was turning dark. The sun was missing for about three days afterwards. A bunch of us were up in the mountains looking for this guy. A bunch of you guys know that I couldn't meet with you because uh, we were doing this search. On Friday afternoon, they found his body. He'd fallen off a 300-foot cliff and died. Okay, most of you saw that in the newspaper. Life is short. Right here on this schedule, it says, Take overnight hike. Return from overnight hike. Hang out at ranch. Check electrical. Leave for the airport. That never happened, guys. That never happened because life is short. And, I mean, this is a hard thing to be confronted with, isn't it? It's kind of like shocking to look at this schedule and realize that never occurred because somebody lost their life, a 21-year-old guy. Okay, see, life is so short, guys. Life is so short, and death is final. You know, I'm sitting here thinking about this. It is so final. Josh is not coming back. He died. He fell off a cliff, and he is not coming back. His family is having a funeral. They're burying him this week. It's final. Russ and I were there holding this couple when they learned that their son was dead. And I've never heard anything like this in my life, and I hope that none of you guys ever experience this. Man, all I could say that night when I got home and talked to Aaron was, I hope we never, ever, ever go through what they just went through. Because it's so final. 
the reason I wanted to talk about it is because it's, it's in our face right now, right? We, you can't ignore something that's, that, that just happened that's that big and happened in our ministry like this. And I don't think God wants us to ignore it. I think, that, I think He wants us to get something out of it. Because there's a lot of good stuff to get. So I'm going to try and keep it fast today. Like last week, I'll share a lot of scripture because I think that's what's important, not my opinions. And I hope you guys can walk away with two things. One, a new perspective on death. And hopefully that gives you a better perspective on life, right? And I hope it gives you an idea of how to live with an eternal perspective. A perspective about what really matters. Okay? So it's going to be a good night. So understanding and processing death is hard, right? How many of you guys have lost a friend or somebody that you love? I have. It's not easy, right? It's hard. Okay? That pain does not just vanish. It does not just go away. Processing death is hard. Death is necessary, guys, because of sin. And I think before we talk about anything else, we have to realize it's our sin that brought death into this world. And the whole reason we have death is because we have sin. And Jesus came to deal with that issue. But for now, death still reigns on this earth. And it someday we'll be freed of it. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But death is here because of our sin. And when I get angry or sad at death... I need to realize that 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 anger needs to be directed at the cause of that death, which is our sin. That separation from God that results in death. That's what the Bible tells us. Okay? In 1 Corinthians 15, it gives us a promise, though. It tells us that Jesus died and he rose again to conquer death for me and you. In other words, death no longer has power over me because of Christ. Now, if I'm going to trust somebody with my eternal life, that person better have beaten death themselves, okay? Right? I'm not, I'm not going to trust Buddha with my salvation if he didn't beat death. Does that make sense? Jesus, if he beat death, he's trustworthy about eternal life. Does that make sense? Okay, now Jesus beat death, guys. And that's a promise that we have in Scripture, is that since he conquered death, we too can have that victory. So death does not have to have power over us anymore. Death is really sad. Some of you guys have mourned parents. I know, Leah, you have. My wife has. Some of you guys have mourned best friends. Now, the Bible promises us, again, in 2 Corinthians 1, uh, verses 4 through 6, that God will comfort us to overflowing when we mourn. So I know that that even though death is sad, the Bible doesn't ever say it's just going to wipe away the sadness, right? It's going to be sad. But I know that I'm going to be comforted in that time of sadness. And it says he's going to comfort me to a point where I can comfort others also. So as I looked at this family screaming and screaming and screaming about the loss of their son, I know confidently that over the next week, month, several months, years, several years, God is going to be comforting them all along. And there will be a time in the future where they will be able to comfort others also. So when we mourn for people that we love that, that die, we will be comforted so that we can also comfort others. Death is scary. How many of you guys have feared death in here? I have. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. Hebrews 4.15 says that Jesus was tempted in every way that we were. In other words, he feared death every way you have. Okay? And he still went and beat it for him and for me and for you. So, you're not alone in feeling that fear of death. He felt that same fear. He still beat it. And he beat it for me and you. So, I don't have to fear death anymore. I used to fear death a lot, guys. I'm being honest and vulnerable. It was one of the main doubts and fears that just rocked my world. Sometimes I'd go three or four days where I couldn't quit thinking about death. It really freaked me out. And finally, I read in John 6.40 where Jesus promised, if you believe in me, I will raise you up on that last day. It's a promise straight to me. 
So I came to the conclusion, he's trustworthy, I'm not. If he makes a promise that he's going to raise me up, that's where I'm putting my trust, guys. And so even when we have a fear of death, he's felt that already, he's beat it already, and he's made you a direct promise that he will raise you up. Is that not good? Nobody else gives you that kind of hope. Nobody else gives you that kind of hope. Only Jesus, who would promise you directly that he will raise you up if your trust is in him. That's a promise nobody can take from you. You know, for this family right now, they have a promise of an eternity together with their son and with God. There's nothing on this earth that compares to that promise and that hope that we have in Christ. Life is so precious, guys, but also it's very, very fragile, right? Life is so fragile. Any one of us in this room could get killed tonight driving home. James 4.14 tells us that our life is like a vapor. How many of you guys have seen a vapor? You know, just like a little bit of smoke from a match just vanish that fast. Instant, right? That's what our life is like. And, and when you think of the scale of eternity, or even just the history of this world, guys, our life is not that big a deal. We're going to be here for a while, and then we're going to be gone. I mean, I was, I was a student, like, 11 years ago. Where'd it go? I don't know. Okay? We're here for just a short time. It's like a vapor. Hebrews 9.27 says that someday it's appointed for each one of us to die. Every one of us in this room will die. And it says that we're going to stand before God to give an account for our life. So that day is coming. It is an appointment that I can't postpone. Nor am I going to hasten it. You're not going to make it come quicker. God has determined already, and I'll share that in a minute. But that day will come for each one of us. And there's still hope, even in the midst of it. Science confirms Hebrews 9. It says 100% of us are going to die, right? Dave, I I know you didn't think you were going to hear this when you came tonight, but you will die at some point. (laughs) Okay? Not a very encouraging message. But anyway, it's true. If you hear otherwise, well, maybe the rapture will happen. But other than that, dude, you're done (laughs) at some point, okay? Just like birth is the passage between pregnancy and life. Last year, Eliana was born. We just celebrated her first year on Sunday. Okay, she was in Aaron's womb for nine months, right? And then she was born. And it was a very traumatic event. I'm pretty sure she didn't know what was going on, okay? She was she's coming out doing the splits, you guys. (laughs) Not kidding you, like one leg down, one leg up. It was not fun. Um, The doctors totally had it all wrong, so we had to have an emergency C-section. When she came out, she had the umbilical cord wrapped twice around her neck. It was like a sketchy deal, dude. And uh, Anyway, I'm sure Eliana wasn't like, man, this is awesome. I'm loving this, you know. She was probably like, leave me alone. I'm nice and comfortable in this warm fluid. Okay? (laughs) But she had to go through that to experience life on this earth as she's experiencing it now. Right? And she'd never go back, I'm pretty sure. She loves those toys. Uh, wait, who bought her the pig? You did. She, she like, is in love with the pig now. Okay. <laughs> Eddie got her this little pig that shakes and sings. It's, kinda, it's weird what you buy kids. But anyway, <laughs> she loves it. That's, that's way better than warm fluid, okay? In her mom's stomach. Okay. It's funny, guys, but that same transition is going to happen for each of us, right? We're in a life right now that seems pretty comfortable. Someday we're going to die, and it's not going to be comfortable. But that's this process that has to happen for each of us to be birthed into eternity. Does that make sense? For us to be born into eternity, where we're going to live the rest of eternity with God face to face. And nothing that this world has to offer will ever compare with that, guys. As attractive as this world could ever be, nothing will ever compare with that, I promise you. 
Okay? So as a believer, your life and death are in God's hands. I'm just going to run through a few verses because I want to encourage you about this regardless of where you're coming from as far as uh, a fear or anything like that. Psalm 139.16 says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So God knows when you're going to die. He knows every day that you're going to live. It is part of his plan and his plan alone. Does that make sense? Don't you guys remember when Satan came to God and said, I want to mess with Job? Right? What did God say? You can harm him. can't take his life. His life was in God's hands alone. Your life is in God's hands alone. So I want you to be confident of that as you think about this issue of death. Because I think it will give you a lot of peace. It will give you a lot of peace to know that that is the case. Psalm 116.15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Okay, Josh dying this week to us was a tragedy. In God's eyes, it was precious. That's kind of hard to get our mind around, right? It was precious because God was bringing him into eternity where there is no more pain. Where there's fullness of joy in him. Where he can be in constant fellowship with God face to face. It meant that the purpose of his life was fulfilled on this planet. So in God's mind, that was a good thing. Okay? It says God delighted in that and bringing him home. And in fact, we had one of our friends that was praying for Josh that heard he died by falling off this cliff, email us and said, it was actually a friend of a friend that had been praying. I mean, thousands of people were praying around the world. And so the vision that I have in my head is that as Josh fell off that cliff, he did not hit rocks, but he fell directly into the hands of his Savior. That's exactly what happens for each of us. When we die, we're going to be falling into his hands. In that instant, that's going to be a precious and beautiful thing. In God's eyes, but I want you to get this too, in your own eyes. Philippians 1.23, Paul says that it'd be better to leave this body and be with God than to remain here on this earth. Isn't that a great perspective? He knew. It's so much better there than it is here. He says, I'm still, I still want to stay here and accomplish what God has for me. But in that time, it's going to be a good thing. Right? So when I look at death, I need to look at it the same perspective of God. It's not just that. For a believer, right? For a believer, if you know Christ as your Savior, you have a hope even in death that nobody can take from you. 1 Corinthians 15.52 tells us that your earthly body is going to be replaced with a new heavenly body. You're going to get a new body when you die. And it says it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. Instantly. You're not going to be waiting around in this pseudo state. Boom, instantly, you'll be transformed. It's a precious, precious thing. Jesus said in John 12, 24, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So this is what I want to encourage you with tonight, is that even in death, there's a purpose. Does that make sense? All of you guys have heard that God has a purpose for your life. But I want to tell you that God also has a purpose for your death. It's kind of sketchy. It's probably not what you expected to hear the second week of school. Okay? Actually, I heard of a conference by uh, John Piper called The Purpose-Filled Death. (laughs) Okay? You guys have heard about The Purpose-Filled Life. He did a conference called The Purpose-Filled Death. But I want to give you guys this hope that when we die as believers, that's not the end of the story. God can do something out of it. The fact that we're having this conversation right now is part of the good fruit that God is bringing from Josh's death last week. And there's going to be so much more. And there's going to be fruit that we don't even see till we're with God in heaven. But out of your death, I want you guys to know, whenever it happens, and hopefully it's like 900 years away, there's going to be a good purpose in it, right? God will do something great. God will do something great. So you can trust Him. Okay, and there's another interesting verse that I have to throw out there. Isaiah 57.1. 
says the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil. And you know, from a human perspective, I think, like, well, what could be worse than death? Like, you're going to kill me to protect me? You know? Sounds kind of weird, God. But anyway, it's true. In some way, God will remove his children from the earth to spare them from evil. I don't know what that means. I know Billy Graham prays daily that God would kill him before God would ever let him shame him. And I don't know how this all works together, but there is an aspect of God protecting us in death. So those are just some verses, guys, that I wanted to throw out there about the significance of death and, and how God sees it and how I can see it so that I'm more on the same page with God. And hopefully that gives you a little bit of peace in it, does it? You guys feel like that gives you a little bit of a way to handle this? And ultimately it comes down to Romans 8.28. And this is a hard verse, but it's a very good verse. It says that God works everything together for the good of those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose. So even when we lose a dear friend like that, God is working it together for our good and for His good and for His great plan. I heard a story like this. You guys ever seen one of these beautiful tapestries where you go around the back and you look at it from behind and it's just threads going everywhere and lines going everywhere? The analogy went kind of like this. If you're looking at that from behind, like we are looking at eternity from, from Earth, nothing makes any sense, right? I mean, you got lines going everywhere. You don't see the picture at all. But when you get to the other side and look back, you see this beautiful tapestry, okay? Now, from, from Earth, a lot of this stuff does not make sense, right? But God is weaving together something beautiful that will make a lot of sense then. But right now, it just doesn't make much sense. So understanding my own mortality is important. I'm going to share a few verses in a little while to talk about that. But understanding that I am going to die, and it's really not all that far off when I think about it, is important. It gives me joy, and it makes life enjoyable today, right? Because every day is significant. I don't have an infinite number of days on this planet, so every day is a gift. So my own mortality almost gives enjoyment to the, and, and quality to the life that I live today. And guys, it motivates me to make the most of every day, because I know that I don't have an infinite number of days. Someday I'm going to die. What did my life count for here? I want to make the most of it. So this tragedy really brings up the reality and the gravity of eternity. So I don't want to just talk about death, but I knew that that would be on your mind, so I want to throw out a few verses. But I want to kind of take that into eternity, guys, like the next stage, okay? So how do we live with this eternal perspective? See, someday we're all going to be where Josh is right now. Someday we're all going to be in a body bag. man. And someday people are going to be getting ready for our funeral. And what then? What then? What's the eternal perspective about my life now that gives purpose to that then? How many of you guys saw Gladiator? Some of you guys haven't. I'm glad you've seen it, Stephen. I was going to get mad if you hadn't. Okay. Dwayne, you see that? Okay. You guys remember when Russell Crowe said what's done in this life echoes for eternity? Remember that? I think, I mean, Russell Crowe isn't by any means... Billy Graham. But that was a pretty profound quote, right? It was amazing. When I, when I first heard that, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I wrote it down right away. What's done in this life echoes through eternity. Second Corinthians 14, I shared this verse last week. I had no idea the significance of this verse when we were sharing it. It says, We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but, what on, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So what, it, what Paul's saying here is we, we keep our focus on what's eternal, not what's in this earth, right? The things that I see around here, they're not going to last. Entropy is going to work its course, and these things are not going to be here very much longer. So we look at things that actually will be here much longer. Eternity, that's where we keep our focus. 
Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that God has set eternity in our hearts. In other words, you were created to have a perspective based in eternity. Does that make sense to you? How many of you guys, when you were three, thought, man, I can't wait to die? <laughs> Anybody? Didn't you want to live forever? Or, I mean, didn't you even think that you would live forever until somebody told you about death? And then you were like, uh, it's kind of weird. <laughs> or maybe you had a cat. I remember I had a cat die. It had been missing for a few days. I found it behind our air conditioner in Texas. <laughs> and I was like, why isn't it moving? <laughs> My parents were like, uh, it's dead. <laughs> What's that mean? Uh, it was kind of a shock. I think we're geared to live forever, right? That's how we are created to think and process life. Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, we are so little reconciled to time that we are even astonished at it. How he's grown, we exclaim. How time flies as though the universal form of our experience were again and again a novelty. It is as strange as if a fish were repeatedly surprised at the wetness of water. And that would be strange indeed, unless, of course, the fish were destined to become one day a land animal. See, God gave us this this perspective of eternity, knowing that we were meant to live in eternity. Does that make sense? Okay. Teilhard de Chardin. (laughs) It's my French for the day. Okay. He was a French Jesuit philosopher, and he put it best, saying this. Bob Marley also quoted it, but he wasn't the first guy. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Okay? We are meant for eternity, guys. We are built to live for eternity. We happen to be inside time on this earth right now. So here's an example about college. You guys, why are you even in college? You're here, Chris, because you think you're going to get big bucks when you get out of here. Just kidding. Chris wants to be a poor missionary the rest of his life, so he doesn't count. Uh, How many of you guys are here to make lots and lots of money? Somebody has to admit it. Okay, Sarah. (laughs) I know. Thank you for for saving me there. Um, But anyway, you guys are in college because you think that there's something better that's going to come in the future, right? I mean, you don't don't stay up till 1 in the morning studying just because it's fun, right? How how many of you guys are in OCHEM right now? Nobody. Sweet. You guys are... You guys are on the right track. (laughs) Don't go to Oakham. Anyway, you took that last year, right? You didn't take it for fun. And if you did, you're crazy. Um, But anyway, you took it because there was something better you were looking at in the future, right? There's a job that you can get if you take that class. And you can't get that job if you don't take that class. Does that make sense? So you live today with a focus on the future. Right? See, that's what I'm driving at here is we can live this day with a focus on eternity. Just like you go to that OCHEM class with a focus on the job it's going to get you. Does that make sense? So that's why you're in college. You're working for what's to come, not for where you are right now. Right? Now, what if you had one week to prepare for a 10-year eco-challenge? Okay, this is like the hardest core eco-challenge that's ever lived. Malcolm, he wouldn't need a week. He'd be there. (laughs) But what if you had one week to prepare for 10 years? How would you spend that week? You'd probably, like, do a lot of preparation. Would you ever, during that week, think to yourself, I'm just going to have fun for three or four days. Thursday I'll start preparing for that 10-year ego challenge. (laughs) No, right? Wouldn't you be like, I got one week, I'm making the most of it, you know? Okay, that's the idea here, guys, is we have an eternity ahead of us that we get to prepare for. And C.S. Lewis again put it this way. He said, if you think of this world as a place intended simply for happiness, 
you find it quite intolerable. We always happen to have unhappy things happen to us. But he said, if you think of it as a place of training and correction, it's not so bad. If we can get our perspective straight about our life on this planet, it's not just here for me to be happy. It's here for a purpose and a reason that will last for all of eternity. That gives our lives on this earth significance in the context of eternity. Everything we do here has meaning. Without that meaning, guys, why don't we all just commit suicide? If there's really no reason for anything, and if, and if your life isn't going to count for anything, and you're just going to die, and people are going to forget you, why even live? But see, eternity gives this life meaning and significance. The Bible talks a lot about heaven and hell. And in church, you don't get to hear too much about these things anymore. So I'm going to keep it kind of brief. But it's important, because if I'm looking forward to something, don't I want to know what I'm looking forward to? How many of you guys are excited about like floating on a cloud playing a harp? Yeah. <laughs> Brandon. <laughs> no guitar, just harps. Okay? No, that doesn't excite us, right? Because we get these stupid impressions of heaven in our head. And, we, and, and why would I get excited about that? This earth is way more exciting, right? This earth is way more exciting than a cloud and a harp and a halo. Okay? That's some stupid cartoon. God is preparing a place that will blow anything you've ever experienced out of the water. And if you really search in, in the Bible what it talks about heaven, you're going to find out it's a pretty stinking rad place. Okay? It's, it's not going to be boring. I promise you that. It's going to be really, really exciting. There are going to be cities there. There are going to be people. You're going to eat food. You know, there's going to be a, a new world, a new earth. This earth has a lot of cool stuff in it. That new one's going to have more cool stuff in it. God created this earth in six days. He's been working on that one for 2,000 years. Okay? I'm pretty sure if he knew how to make me happy here, pretty sure he's doing a good job there. Okay? And, and you guys, to think that God gave us desires that he's not able to fulfill is stupid. God gave you these desires, and in heaven they will be fulfilled beyond anything that you can even imagine on this earth. It's the greatest thing that you can look forward to. Okay? It's the greatest happiness and joy you will ever, ever experience. You can think of it this way. Heaven is going to be the greatest joy, the greatest happiness, the greatest satisfaction, the greatest pleasure that a human being can experience with none of the negatives. It's pretty good, right? It's it's going to be phenomenal. There's going to be no poverty, no pain, no sickness, no death, no tears, no sadness. That's just scratching the surface of what we have to look forward to in heaven. Excuse me, it's not the swine flu. I promise. (laughs) Um, Okay, that's heaven, guys. It's the greatest joy you could experience. Now, contrast that with hell. The worst fear, the worst loneliness, the worst pain, the worst futility that you can imagine without anything good. Okay? Being separated from God in every aspect of Him, void of all pleasure. No happiness, no joy, no comfort, no hope, no peace. Okay, now here's the reality. Heaven is going to be intimacy with God. Hell is going to be the absence of God. Every good thing that we experience on this earth is connected somehow to God. Right? It's an expression of His character. Hell will be absent of that. Now when I think about heaven and hell, Matthew 13, 44 comes to mind. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. See, when I truly grasp the significance of the eternity that I'm living for, everything else in this life is meaningless to me. Paul and Philippians said it was like trash compared to the joy of knowing God. 
right? And I can sell everything else and buy that field. Does that make sense? I can put everything else in this life towards that eternity, right? Okay, now here's the gospel, and I want to explain this, because I don't want any of you guys to be like, walk out of here and be like, Nate said we're going to hell. Okay, I'm not saying that. Here's what I'm saying. God loves you. He has a plan for your life here, and He wants you to be with Him for eternity. We're all sinful. And our sin, our selfishness, separates us from God. Jesus died on the cross, and He paid for every one of my sins, your sins, from the past, from the present, from the future. Paid for them all. And He did it so that I could have an eternity with Him in heaven forever. And that I could have a life here on this earth of sharing that with other people. It's the greatest thing I could ever do. Now... I have to make a decision. Am I going to accept that gift, that payment that he made for my sins, or am I going to reject it? That's the gospel, guys. In John 5.24, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He is crossed over from death to life. Okay? He was dead. Now he's alive. Every one of us that's accepted that gift of Christ, we cross over from death to life for good. Okay? For good. Guys, it's a done deal. You cross over from death to life. You're his son. Nobody can take that away from you. You're secure in his hand. You will live for all of eternity with him. Not because of your perfection here, but because you trusted him. That's good news, right? Okay, now it doesn't end there. God wants our relationship with him to develop, and he wants to continue that to the people around me. In Matthew 22, Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? And he said it's to love God, number one. And number two, love your neighbor. Okay? So we're, we're told to grow in our relationship with God, but also with other people. Miranda, God brought you here not just to, like, goof around. He brought you here to be loved by the people in this room. Okay? That's part of his purpose. This microphone is not fulfilling its purpose. I'm short, but not that short. He's collapsing. Anyway, Josh's brother-in-law was sitting in the parking lot half an hour after we'd been told. And it was like a hardcore situation where we're trying to comfort this family. And I broke away, and I was like, I don't even know how I can keep it together, you know? And I'm talking to the brother of the husband of the sister, okay? So, like, the brother-in-law's brother. And he just looks at me, and he says, nothing else matters, huh? I said, what do you mean? He goes, nothing in this life matters. Nothing, except people. He goes, careers aren't that important, are they? Cars aren't that important, are they? Money isn't that important, is it? Education isn't that big a deal. Because people matter, huh? I said, you got it right, dude. People are what matter to God. People live forever. Cars don't. Microphones don't. Guys, that's why God wants us to invest in people. He wants us to love people. And that comes out of loving Him first, because I'm not capable on my own of loving you guys the way God wants me to. Malcolm, I want to love you more tomorrow than I do today. And it's only by God working in me that helps me love you guys more. Brandon, same with you. So I'm going to try and tie this together, guys. But I really want to end on this this whole idea of eternal perspective. So what if this life was all that there really was? It would be pretty sad. See, our only true hope is in Christ. Jeremiah 29.11 and Ephesians 2.10, God says that you have a purpose here on this earth. I can't fulfill, I can't fulfill, <laughs> can't talk English, well I can talk Texan, so, <laughs> any Texans here? <laughs> I, I put in my time there, I'm not just in Texas, I lived in San Marcos for four years, and that was plenty, um, <laughs> that's why I live in Colorado now, what, <laughs> yeah. seven degrees, okay, no, 
God has a purpose for you to fulfill that I can't. Taylor, just met you tonight. There's a whole life, dude, that God has for you that I can't even touch. Okay? I could try real hard to be Taylor, but I'm always going to fail. Okay? Because only you can be Taylor the way God made you. And thankfully, there's only one of me. You guys would get pretty messed up if there are a lot of me. But there, right? There, there are only one of each of us. And God made you for a purpose, and He put you here for a purpose. Okay? Your life is not in vain. There's a reason for it. And that is the eternal perspective that we need to have. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15 tells us that we're each building on a foundation. So your life is building. And you're building on a foundation. And it says you're either building with gold, silver, and precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. And it says we're going to stand before God. And it's all going to be shown for what it is. It doesn't say, well, you're going to go to hell, even though you trusted Christ. No, no, guys. If you trusted Christ, you're, you're set, dude. You're legit. You're going to heaven, right? But what you did on this earth is going to be judged for what it was. Was it wood, hay, and stubble It's just going to burn up? Or was it gold, silver, and precious stones? What did I live this life for? What did I build? Did I invest in people that are going to last forever? See, that's why I have to invest in people, guys. In Matthew 25, 14 through 30, Jesus told us this parable of the talents. Do you guys remember that? Okay? And he gave different talents to different people, and he told them to go and make the most of those talents. Man, Ben, you have talents I don't have. I can't catch a football, dude. Okay? (laughs) I didn't even try out for the team here. No, I know you guys look at me and think I must have, but no, I didn't. But honestly, guys, you have different talents than I do, right? And have you guys heard of this, uh, the, the, the treasure principle by Randy Alcorn? He said that you have time, talent, and treasure to invest in eternity. Time, talent, and treasure. You have time, you have hours in your day, and they're going to go somewhere. And it's either for things that are going to not matter, or it's for things that are going to matter, Okay you got talent, and it's either going to go for things that don't matter or things that do matter. You guys have talents that we can make the most of. And you guys have treasure. You have money. Even as college students, you're like in the top 20% of the richest people in, in the world. Okay? Next week, dude, let's blow Coulter's mind and give lots of money to him. Okay? To poor, to poor kids that need it in Africa. But anyway, guys, you guys have time, talent, and treasure. And you can invest it in eternity. Living with an eternal perspective is difficult. Eternity can be scary. It's hard to ask the big questions, isn't it? It's hard to think about your own mortality. In fact, I was thinking for tonight, I had this great idea. I said to my brother, I'm going to go on that website where you calculate like the date and method of your death, you know, where you type in like who you are and where you live, and it tells you, like, you're going to die in this day in a car crash. Okay? It's kind of morbid, but I guess it appeals to some people. But I was like, you know what, I'm going to throw it up there. You guys will be able to see when I'm supposed to die and how it's going to happen and all that. And of course, it's just like a hypothesis. But then I was like, dude, I can't do it, dude. Freaks me out too bad. (laughs) Okay? So thinking those thoughts is scary, isn't it? It's kind of scary to think about this. So it's hard to think about life's big questions. Eternity can be confusing. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul, Paul says, you know, we only see dimly now. You know, we don't see very clearly. But he says, then in heaven, we're going to know fully. But right now, we don't know fully. Right now, I have to walk by faith every day. I can't see the end, right? So it's hard to live with an eternal perspective. And finally, eternity doesn't seem relevant sometimes. Isn't that right? Tonight, my friends invited me out. That's relevant. It's happening now. Eternity is like after I die. How relevant is that? It's hard to grasp the gravity of eternity. But you guys, I want to put it this way. An eternity-driven life is the most fulfilling life possible. 
Okay? It's relevant today because it's the only life that has any significance. It's the only life that has meaning. John 10.10, Jesus promised you an abundant life. A meaningful and significant life. And eternity is what gives our lives today meaning and significance. That's why it's important. Bill Bright described it well, saying there are no happy, disobedient Christians, and there are no unhappy, obedient Christians. Okay? So living with an eternal perspective is possible. God never commands us to do something that He doesn't empower us for. If God says, keep focused on eternity, that's not an empty command. It is possible for me to follow that in the power of His Holy Spirit. Okay? So, what if you only had a month to live? Visualize this. You just got told, Tess, you have a month to live. Okay? You guys see this movie, Bucket List or whatever? <laughs> I didn't see it. But anyway, I want to encourage you daydream about a spiritual bucket list. Like, honestly, what would you do? My friend Austin would go straight to Mecca and, and get his head chopped off preaching the gospel. I mean, that would be like the first thing he did if he got told he had cancer or something. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He runs up to me in the hotel room one day and he's like, I've got a great idea. We could die together street preaching in Mecca. <laughs> I like, I'll pray for you, dude. <laughs> no. no, but you guys, daydream about a spiritual bucket list. What... What would you do if you only had a month? And why not live life today like that, right? Why not live with that kind of generosity and selflessness today, right? Is it possible to live that way even now? How about every day? I think it is, through God's power. Ask God to give you an eternal perspective. Ask God to give you His heart for what matters. David prayed this way in Psalm 39 and in Psalm 90, kind of put together. He said, Show me, O Lord, my life's end. And the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. How many of you guys, I've never done this. How many of you ever prayed, God, show me how short my life is going to be. <laughs> I never prayed that way. But Dave was praying this way. God, I want to understand how short and fleeting my life is. And then he says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. See, I want to look at this life knowing it's short and I'm going to make something of it through his power. Not in my own strength, guys. But I'm here for a reason. Only two times matter, guys. That's right now in eternity. My friend Eli Stewart would always say, the present is the only time that touches eternity. And he's right, guys. Right now matters, and eternity matters. You know, a lot of times people think, I'm going to do that when I get out of college. That's baloney, dude. If it's not happening now, it won't happen when you get out. Right now is all that matters. So two times matter. Right now in eternity, and two things matter. My relationship with God and my relationship with others. That's all that matters, guys. It boils down to that. Christ's perspective was the joy set before him. Remember what it says in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2? It tells us, fix our eyes on Jesus. And then it says, Jesus, he endured this hardship, going to the cross and paying for our sins. He did it because of the joy set before him. See, if I can look at the joy set before me, guys, nothing on this earth is going to stop me. So I need to follow his example and be looking at that joy that's in store for me as I believe in Christ. Okay? That was Christ's perspective. Christ's focus was people. He came to seek and save the lost. It says in Luke 19.10. And he said that he is not willing that any should perish. That should be my perspective on the people around me. That I'm not willing that they would perish without knowing God. Right? That I'm going to do anything to share with them. Okay? Man, opportunities are always coming up. It boils down to this though, guys. Live every day to know him and to make him known. That's YWAM's motto. Kind of love stealing it because it's so good. Know God and make Him known. It's pretty simple. I'm going to live this day to know God and to make Him known. That's what it boils down to. Matthew 6.20 says, Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
you guys, I can invest in a, in a heavenly bank account instead of just building things on this earth that are all going to burn anyway. As that old hymn says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. That's the truth of every single day that we have here on this planet. So finally, guys, I want to challenge you tonight. Don't waste your life. Risk everything for what is to come. Put it all on the line, guys. Be bold and crazy like Dwayne playing football, man. Okay, guys? Risk it all for what's to come because it's so much better than anything that we have here. Josh invested the last week of his life in this training center. That investment's going to be happening 50 years from now. As people flick on the lights, and they don't even know this guy died coming down here to make these lights work, right? Okay, He invested his life in eternity. And Rand, Josh's father, the night that he found out his son was dead, he challenged me with something. And that's kind of why we're doing this talk right now. Rand said, promise me, Nate, that you will live your life for the Great Commission, just like Russ does. And then he said, and promise me that you will tell every one of your students how short life is and how important eternity is. How short life is and how important eternity is. I told him I would, and I'm doing that right now, guys. But I want to encourage you, in the face of death, guys, that's all that matters. Okay? And in Mark 10, 29 through 30, Jesus made you a promise. If you risk it all and you put it all on the line for him, you might get ridiculed. You might lose some friends. I had a professor knock me a grade in the class, but only once, and it wasn't even that bad. Jesus made this promise. He says, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me. He says, No one who's left anything for me and the gospel, sharing that with people that need to hear it, will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. So you're going to be blessed in this age and in the age to come eternal life. See, Jesus made you a promise. If you give it for him now, you get more now, and you get more later. You don't get chipped. You get everything. Jim Elliott, who I also quoted last week, he said, He is no fool who would give what he cannot keep to gain what he can never lose. Isn't that true? He is no fool who would give what he cannot keep to gain what he can never lose. You can't keep this minute, but you can give this minute for eternity. You can't keep that $10 bill in your wallet, okay, but you can give it for eternity. He is no fool who would give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So give it all, guys. Invest everything in people and eternity. That's my challenge tonight. Live this life for the joy of knowing God and making Him known, for the promise of an abundant life here and an eternity with Him.